yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Our Drunken History. We're coming to you today on a, uh, on a day that's pretty significant in our, in our history. Uh, today is December 7th, and if y'all notice from the intro and from uh, today's holiday, that was the day that the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor in 1941. That was what really led us into World War II, and that kind of changed the course of American and world history at that point. It did, yep. It was, uh, there's a lot of, there's some new evidence that's came out, and there's controversy around it. There, well, there's some conspiracy theories. We can get into that or something, too. Yeah. Um, some people don't know. I saw this documentary actually here recently. It talked about why the Japanese did it, and like their their strategy behind it, and they actually had a pretty good strategy of why they did it. It wasn't, but they did some miscalculations though too, with really with our resolve, yeah. and uh, they kind of made a couple blunders with it though too that we can get into with it. Um, but so if, before we get into it very further, if uh, if you haven't already done it, please uh, like and subscribe. Uh, Follow us here on YouTube, and then if you are listening to audio, we got a big following on Spotify. We're getting uh, like 68% of our downloads from Spotify. Really? Yeah, so it's been a big uh, a big boost to our downloads on. Well, thank online. you, Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, we're but we're on Apple Podcast and all the other major podcast players too. So follow us there. Yeah, listen to them on your road trips. That's uh, usually when I do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, there's a uh, a new podcast player. I don't know if you've seen it or not. It's called uh, Good Pods. If you're, I don't know if you use Goodreads for when you're reading. I do use Goodreads. Yeah. It's just like Goodreads for podcasts. So you can leave reviews. You can rate podcasts. Huh. Uh, you can follow them and like it's almost like a social media community of, of revolving around podcasts. That's cool. So it's a podcaster man. You know, I, I used to when when podcasting first came out. I was, I guess, I was a little. Uh, hesitant i thought well i'm not gonna listen to all this shit just listen to people talk but like now man i don't i canceled my serious oh yeah yeah uh, i like i download i have amazon music and i listen to it like on short trips i guess yeah but like if i'm on any trip more than like 15 minutes i'm listening to podcasts oh yeah and that's what's great about it because especially if you're on a long drive i mean it passes the time really yeah the the road trips to montana yeah (laughs) go see dad and go go hunt up there is uh do a lot of hours of of podcasting so uh what do you think you're okay so first what podcast really got you into podcasting like black rifle black rifle yeah you know um i've listened to they weren't the first one I listened to. Uh, Joe Rogan probably was the first one I listened yeah. to, which I also still really like. Yeah. But uh, that one is the one that got the hooks in. So I've listened to, I haven't listened to the Black Rifle one. I've listened to it's some of those same guys, their um, Drinking Bros yeah. podcast. And then uh, then I got started uh, with the Unsubscribe podcast, and that's a lot of the, the veteran guys yeah. on there doing that one too. But yeah, Joe Rogan was my... The one that he, really he, got me. I'm pretty it. sure he popped my cherry. Yeah, <laughs> and I started off watching it on YouTube, and I really 
never listened to I did it. I did it at work. Like, like yeah. you know, we, we, uh, we used to work, and now we just kind of have an office job. So yeah. we've, we've migrated from working with our hands to working with our minds. Yeah, and, it's been uh, a big adjustment. And it's, it's, uh, it's been... I, <laughs> I didn't really like it at first, but I guess I don't know. I've I've gotten used to it, so it's okay. Yeah. But I do miss working on the flight line. I do. It did. Uh, it definitely impacted my wardrobe a little bit because uh, I've gained a lot of weight since working on yeah. a desk. Now. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. I've had to buy bigger pants. Yeah. But uh, no, I I, I do uh, I do a lot of YouTube while I'm like, and just not necessarily watching videos, but just background yeah. noise when I'm, you know, typing up fucking reports oh yeah <laughs> well it's the thing I'm, I'm i'm definitely a big nerd so I, I i listen to uh a lot of the there's some uh science podcasts listen to like um neil degrasse tyson's got one I listen, listen to a couple of his and there's um <clears throat> a couple other ones that are uh lex friedman he's been on joe rogan's podcast a few times he's actually a like a robotics engineer i uh, uh i listen to you know jay dobbins is I've heard of him, but I don't think so. He was he was a uh, uh, ATF agent. Okay. And he went undercover with the Hell's Angels. Oh, okay. For like two years, and I and I read his book years ago when I was in Kandahar. I read his book. It's called No Angel. Really good book if you guys are uh, looking for something to uh, read. But uh, the guy is just a fucking badass. But he has a podcast where he talks to veterans. He talks to retired officers. Yeah. You know, narcotics officers. Uh, firefighters, just uh, any anybody that's like a first responder type career. Yeah, uh, he he talks with them a lot, and they had some really interesting stuff. Uh, his his was a, his is a good one, so I, I listen to a lot of that on road trips. Oh, uh, yeah, the, that's the thing. There's so many of them out there too. So I think there's yeah. something for everybody, and it's it's one of the fastest growing forms of. Uh, communication and stuff now. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard just started one. I'm a big Tulsi fan. I do. I like so, her. Uh, yeah, she just started one, uh, the Tulsi Gabbard podcast here a couple weeks ago, and uh, I have not yet listened to it. She was just on Black Rifle okay. la- last week, I think, last week or the week before, yeah, talking about that. it, and it was uh, uh, really, uh, I, I'm going to de- start downloading hers here, Yeah, and uh, I, I, she's got my vote. I like, well, I'm, see, I'm, a- I'm all for Tulsi. And Jocko. Tulsi and Jocko. <laughs> yeah. That's my president and vice president picks right there. Yeah, that would actually be a pretty good combo. Fuck yeah. I wonder... <laughs> we would get shit done. I wonder if Jocko And they would all be the truth. Because <laughs> nobody cares about hurting feelings. <laughs> oh, man. I, wonder, I don't know if Jocko's politically correct enough to... Uh, that'd be great. Oh, jo- I think Jocko is. I think he could... Yeah, he could smooth it over enough to... Yeah, he's... he's. Uh, I know he's a SEAL and he's got his gritty side and everything, but I think he is professional enough yeah. to where he could pull it off. Yeah. And and he is... Uh, he's one of those people who uh, has that constitution in him that he's going to be honest even if it fucking hurts your feelings. Yeah. And uh, hurts his reputation. He's not going to give a shit. It's yeah. going to be the truth, and that's I I appreciate that. I like him a lot. That guy is a stand up dude. Yeah. And and if it came down to hand to hand combat <laughs> at the presidential level, <laughs> yeah. Imagine, imagine that I, uh, the yeah. president saying, instead of going to war with whoever, we're just going to have we're just going to do some fucking jujitsu. Yeah. And I'll, I'll fight whatever president wants to come. <laughs> you know you know you know who John Dudley is. Yeah. 
he broke John Dudley's neck. Oh wow! Yeah, and they, and they, <laughs> they were they were jujitsuing, and uh, yeah, he he fucking. I mean, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a serious break. <laughs> <laughs> hairline, a hairline fracture in, in Dudley's neck. Yeah. Oh true, man, true story. Yeah. Wow, that'd be pretty cool. For those of don't, you don't know, uh, those of you who don't know who John Dudley is, uh, he's one of my man crushes. He owns Knock On Archery. Uh, he works with PSC. And he designed my bow right here. Uh, that thing is a fucking badass bow. So, yeah, Dudley, if you're listening, man, come on the show. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, we'll hang out. <laughs> yeah, another, another. Uh... Tulsi running mate I'd like it would see other than Jocko would be uh, Ron DeSantis I think I think he's yeah I'd, I I like DeSantis I think uh, I think that he has a lot of you know I, I don't I don't agree with any politician on everything no that's but and I, I you know I don't agree with any person on anything so yeah exactly and I think that's where people get caught up is there's not ever going to be a perfect somebody that's perfect for yeah. they're, they're going to have to have there's drawbacks. There's positive. Yeah. There's negatives, and you gotta figure out which one is. I like. I, I like. Your, I do like DeSantis. Yeah, and he was a uh, he worked. He was a, a JAG officer with the SEAL Team with, Three. Yeah. Yep. So, he, and he was uh, actually. I think he's still in the Navy Reserves right he now. He is. I, I believe he's a captain in the Navy. Okay. I didn't know if he was a captain or a uh, lieutenant commander. Uh, I think he's a captain now. Oh, wow. Because Tulsi just put on light colonel. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing. She, yes, she's still uh, in the Army. Yeah, um, in the Guard in Hawaii. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, I mean, to me, personally, being commander-in-chief, being the president, I, I, I think it, you should have re- served in the, in the armed forces prior to that. It's muddy waters, man. Like, yeah. I, 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 I would appreciate it if... You did, but at the same time, I don't believe it should be a requirement because there's it is a civilian post. It was meant to be a civilian post. Yeah. So just by the the letter that of the design of of the office of of that office, I you know I I I can I would appreciate if if they if a if a president had the military experience, but if they didn't. I'm not going to hold that against them too much. Yeah, I mean, you can see that. Just by the just by the nature of the design. Well, like so I got I got thinking about it though too. It's like some of the some of the presidents we've had that kind of had has had a general consensus of who was really great presidents. Well, you had George Washington, very first one. Most people liked him. Most most people liked him. Uh, but then even more modern history you got Teddy Roosevelt. A lot of people liked him, but he was kind of controversial at some some of his stuff though I too, think but as Time goes by, though presidents are more forgiven for their yeah their things that were shitty at that moment yeah. that they were president. I I, I think that uh, history is kind to presidents. Yeah. Uh, then more recent history, I guess you want to say more recent uh, that were more more the popular presidents, the uh, Dwight Eisenhower, yeah, and uh, JFK were all military veterans. Yeah. George George W. George W. Yeah, he was in the Texas Air Guard. People like him now. They didn't like him when he was in office, but for some reason, everybody likes George W. Now, now that some, he's doing paintings. Yeah, yeah I was, was going to say that. Have you seen some of his artwork? Yeah. He's actually a pretty good artist. I like him. <laughs> I like I like W. He, he seems like a guy that you know. He seems like a guy you could have on the podcast and sit down and have a beer with. 
Yeah. Uh, I heard he's got his, like a really nice lake in his front yard that he has like bass, so people like to go fishing in his. I, uh, I, I I don't know if I told you I went to Derek Jeter's last game. Yeah. In uh, not his last game, but his last game in Arlington, Texas. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I know we're getting way off track, guys. So just hold on. We'll get to Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Talking to but, presidents. So but uh, yeah. Uh, I, w- I went to Jeter's last game in Arlington, Texas, uh, against the Rangers, and it was really it was really cool because George W. was the president on 9/11. Yeah, obviously, as you all know, uh, and then he threw the uh, first pitch out at Yankee Stadium during the World Series. Oh, okay, yeah, and he was down. Uh, in the in in Yankee Stadium, they have uh, subterranean bullpens. Oh, okay, yeah. So pitchers can stay warm during rain delays and stuff. And uh, this is old Yankee Stadium. I know new Yankee Stadium does too, but old Yankee Stadium had them. And uh, George W. was down there throwing pitches. And Jeter, captain of the Yankees, you know, he yeah. came over to talk to him. You know, being a uh, you know, doing his due diligence as, as the captain of the home team. Yeah. And he came down and walked in and he said, you know, hey, Mr. President, thank you for doing this. And George, George said, uh, you know, it's my pleasure, you know. Yeah. Really cool. You know, they just had some, some back and forth banter or whatever. And uh, and uh, Bush looked at, at Jeter and said, you know, I uh, do you think I should throw from the mound or from the base of the mound? I know some people throw from the base of the mound. And Jeter said, this is Yankee Stadium. You need to throw from the mound. You're the leader of the free world. You're the president of the United States. Like, yeah. throw from the mound. And Bush was like, okay, you know, because he had on the vest and everything, yeah. Kevlar, and he's having a hard time throwing it. And uh, <clears throat> he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, I should do that. And Jeter said, you know, I got to go get ready for the game, but, you know, have fun out there. Thanks for doing this. And uh, as he was walking out, he looked back at Bush, who was having trouble throwing it with that Kevlar, and he said, hey, Mr. President, don't bounce it. <laughs> and G- and Bush was like, you know, fuck. <laughs> now there's pressure. You know, I just have Derek Jeter, who's, you know, yeah. the god of baseball, come and talk to me and tell me not to bounce the ball. Don't screw it so, up. So Bush goes out there, throws a perfect strike. It was beautiful. YouTube it. It was a great, great, <laughs> great pitch at a great time. Well... Fast forward till Jeter's final year in, in Arlington, and uh, they had Bush up on the Jumbotron telling that story. Yeah. And he, and he said, you know, Derek, I'm sorry I couldn't be there today to, you know, be a part of this game. I just want to let you know a story that I remember of you. And it was it was really cool. You know, everybody was standing. People were crying. It was really nice. Yeah. And as Jeter was watching the Jumbotron, Bush came walking out. <laughs> And Jeter didn't know he was there. Yeah. So as they they hugged, it was it was a really cool, oh, really yeah. cool situation. Really really neat experience to be part of that. Yeah, that's pretty neat. From the nosebleeds. Surprising. <laughs> From the nosebleeds. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> Let's put my put my hand over the little fire right here. It's Get nice, it. huh? The little heater. The little heater. By the way, guys. Uh, my my lovely wifey got us a space heater for the winter in here, so yeah, it's not gonna be too bad. It's actually pleasant. In yeah, here. it's, it's nice. nice, and it's on low. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Keisha. That's right. Oh, so well, as if we're talking about our wives, so uh, today when this this episode comes out, December seventh is my wife's birthday. Oh shit! So she shares a birthday with Pearl Harbor, but uh, 
So I just wish my wife, Jen, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Jen. So, all right. Well, yeah, since we're, we'll roll into that. So, yeah, everybody knows the story, or most of the story, I think, about Pearl Harbor. Uh, surprise attack. It happened about 7 o'clock in the morning uh, on December 7th, 1941. Uh, so, one thing I was, saw was interesting, though, too, was kind of some of the reasons why. So, everybody knows that Japan attacked. Yeah. But why did they attack? And uh, one of the big things was resources. So... Japan, with uh, being a island nation, what they mm -hmm. were, they they relied a lot on imports for their for their fuel. Yeah, they, don't, they don't have yeah. they don't have the infrastructure to make it all. <clears throat> and so that's one they they in the late twenties, early thirties, uh, Japan actually modeled some of their their uh, empire aspirations actually on the British Empire they I wanted that to, I, I knew that so they so. kind of wanted to expand to, uh, to around the globe or around their territory and uh, take over some of that surrounding area mainly as for resources they needed oil they needed coal they needed uh, iron or, or metal yeah uh, so one of their first things they did was invade China and they we've heard about a lot of the actually a lot of the war crimes that were committed the atrocities yeah, yeah. Uh, I, know, I know they did Korea and so yeah they they Invaded there, and they knew. So they they invaded into China in the 30s, and pretty much took over a, a, a pretty substantial chunk of land all the way up to Mongolia, and uh, and they ended up fighting the Russians too in uh, in northern Mongolia. They were trying to invade into Siberia, and actually it, um, in the 30s they signed a um, kind of like a an agreement or a stalemate with Russia actually to. Uh, to not advance any further than what they were. That way they kind of agreed on a kind of a, a line in the sand. Yeah. So then they were, the reason why they were wanting to get into Siberia is because of the oil fields up there. They yeah. wanted oil. So they decided to expand south into the Pacific and the, around the Papua New Guinea, the Philippines, um, Indonesia. But all that was British and, uh, and, and U.S. and Dutch and U.S. territory. Yeah. So, they knew, they knew if they attacked those islands that they would get those countries involved. Right. And they knew at the time that they couldn't win a, like a head-to-head -head war with the U.S. Navy. So they had come up with a way to try to buy themselves some time, to so that way they could take that territory without getting blasted by the Navy. Yeah. So that's where they came up with the attack on Pearl Harbor. They knew Pearl Harbor was a big. It was the 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 home station for the Pacific fleet and they knew and at the time too the US had adopted a neutrality um, policy they were there we were trying to at the time kind of trying to be like Switzerland we didn't want to get involved in anybody else's yeah. stuff and um, we were trying to stay out of the fight and then the stuff started kicking off in Europe with with Germany and all that and uh, they saw we started getting more and more involved with that with like the Lend-Lease program that we started with Europe and with uh, England and France and stuff. Mm. Loaning them equipment and different things. And air crew. And air crews. <laughs> um, so they, they kind of, Japan kind of saw it would be inevitable before we got involved with it. So, and they needed that territory to, for their raw materials they needed for their war effort. Yeah. So they knew if they 
was able to knock out a large portion of our Pacific fleet, then they would get, they would leave them free to yeah. kind of take over on the around their area. And actually, and so that's then that's what led up to that. And that was their their reasoning behind it. And actually, worked really well for a while. Um, so, I guess. I guess go into some of the details of the attack. So they they decided to attack the fleet while it was at anchor at Pearl Harbor. We kind of actually lucked out because we didn't know about this. We didn't have they had. That's one of the controversies though that actually came up about whether or not there was actual intel of the attack coming or not. Um, there was a rumor that one of the admirals had gotten intel a few days prior that there was a fleet of Japanese ships that was pretty close to Hawaii. Yeah. And there that is one of the conspiracy theories or, or whether or not they allowed the attack to happen because So they could get involved in an excuse to we'd have an excuse to get yeah. involved in World War Two. So I don't know if that this that hadn't been proven and I don't know if they'd ever admitted even if it was proved, yeah. but but uh we kinda lucked out because uh our aircraft carriers were out to sea at the time yeah. doing uh doing training maneuvers and different things. But all of our battleships, there were several cruisers, several frigates, yeah. tenders. There's a bunch of boats at, and, at anchor. And uh, they took that as their opportunity, to, Japan did, to, uh, to try to deliver a knockout punch or a sucker punch pretty much to us before we yeah. could really do anything. And um, so it was like the first wave of aircraft. I think it was like 170 aircraft. It was... Um, it was fighters, uh, dive bombers, and torpedo planes. Yeah. That, that's actually one key piece of technology that Japan developed just for this attack. Was the torpedoes? Was their shallow water torpedoes. Yeah. Because that, that's one reason why the U.S. Navy um, picked Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. There was actually other harbors. Because of the reefs around? Well, it was because of the reefs, and actually it's because of the depth. Um, the Pearl Harbor, I think, was like... 40 to 60 feet deep, and which actually is pretty shallow because a lot of the ships, like some of those battleships, were had like a draft of like 42 feet. I didn't know they were, so, they, I didn't know they were that deep. So there were some places in Pearl Harbor where those ships only had like two feet of clearance underneath the boat to the, huh. to the seafloor. Um, and they did that. That'd be a, a butt pucker experience yeah. as a ship's captain. Yeah, you're driving a 70,000 ton ship and you're two feet off the bottom, you know? Yeah, and fuck that. They, uh, you gotta make sure the tides are right on that. You know? <laughs> yeah, man, what if it's a fucking wavy day? Yeah. You're, you're bobbing, you're yeah, crushing you're the ground. Hitting the bottom. <laughs> fuck that. So, and they did that because of torpedoes at the time. Uh, when you drop them from an airplane, the way they worked is they would actually sink pretty low into the water before their drive system righted them back up. And they, then they would come back up to the surface. But yeah. that initial drop, they would hit like 60 or 70 feet deep and then come back up. Hmm. Well, they picked Pearl Harbor because it was shallow. It wasn't an option. Yeah. A conventional torpedo had bottomed out before hmm. it could. Um, so Japan knew that, and they did the research, and they developed. And I think that's what they did is they uh, added like these bigger control surfaces on their torpedoes, and, yeah. and, uh, and then they practiced a different... They came in with like a lot more shallow. That's I, I know uh, when, when they would and, come in, they would dive. They would come in, and yeah, then, and almost skip them. Yeah, yeah, they come in right off the water. So yeah. they did a whole new. They learned a whole new technique and then a new uh, equipment on their torpedoes. So that way they would hit 
and not go as deep. Yeah. And then there was the the uh, rumor for the long time. It was finally confirmed about the 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 little submarines that actually had gotten into Pearl Harbor, and they had found evidence of three of those small. They called them midget subs, and uh, there was like not much bigger than a torpedo themselves. But yeah. I think they had uh, their little submarine. I think they had two torpedoes strapped to them, and they dove into and and they one of them had crashed they actually found one. Oh really it was, it was sunk off the coast of Hawaii I couldn't do I couldn't be in a sub it was a, a two-man crew they were like tiny they were like a little like a I I went in I went in the Captain Nemo's sub at Disneyland one time yeah and like that was okay <laughs> but like any Navy guy who was in who was on submarine duty like oh yeah I don't know how the fuck you guys do it well and I've heard stories too about uh, them diving and uh, you could hear the hole moving and, and flexing my, and stuff like that. My dad's best friend was on, an, I don't know which sub it was, but he was on a nuclear sub. And uh, he would tell the stories about like hearing, you know, creaks and shit from the, the, yeah. the but also of like, you know, when guys die at sea, there's no cold storage on a sub. Yeah. So they, they out the torpedo tube. Burial at sea. No shit. That's that's what they do. Yeah. Um, but just just being in... And I'm not claustrophobic. But but just knowing you're locked up. Like, especially the... But, yeah, that would get to me, I think. Like, I just... I, that yeah. would be a nightmare. And knowing that you're in a fucking tin can down however far, you know, yeah. hundreds of feet. And, like, if it develops a little crack, you're going to die. Yeah. Well, it's like, um, you know, there's different classifications of subs, but you got the Ohio-class subs that are nuclear Yeah, I don't, I don't know which one's which, but I mean... Those, like a lot of the other subs, they, they surface pretty regularly and stuff because you have, like, um, the attack submarines I, I, and different Monty, things, like, my dad's buddy, whatever one he was on could stay under for, like, months and months at a time. Yeah, so that's why when they go on a cruise, the, um, the, the uh, ballistic missile subs, when they... When they go under underwater they stay that way for its for their entire deployment so they are underwater for like 100 to 200 days or whatever yeah, it is fuck that for their and uh I, they i think they only come up in case it, if it's just an emergency because like they go and they have that ultra low frequency sub network where they can communicate with them but they're underwater the whole the whole time so that yeah. way nobody knows where they're at yeah fuck that they've got uh those uh systems they can extract oxygen from the seawater and stuff so like they don't have to come up for air or anything yeah. it's it's nuts how they yeah. it's sciencey yeah <laughs> those people did stem classes yeah <laughs> oh no fuck that man I'll, I'll take my flight line and f-15s and yeah yeah it gets some fresh air at least or at least some jet exhaust yeah, i'd rather i'm cool with that won't <laughs> bitch yeah oh, and, and i don't i don't really care to hot bunk yeah oh uh anyway so 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 when the attack started they they had those aircraft coming in one of the things that the mistake that we had made not only because we had all of our ships anchored right next to each other they called it battleship row and we mm -hmm. had like seven battleships moored just in a, in a straight line right next to each other um but on on the land side of it we had a uh, the army air station there and then there was a uh, the naval air station yeah. on, on the shore they were afraid of of 
they were actually afraid of Japanese saboteurs coming onto the airfields and and either sabotaging aircraft or whatever. So they had all the aircraft bunched together so that way they could keep an eye on them better. Yeah. But that just made them easier targets. So they the, the fighters that did all these strafing runs on aircraft parked yeah, on the ground. Yeah, smoked them. And uh, blew up some of the, the aircraft. Were they flying zeros at that point? It was zeros, and then there was another one. I can't remember the name. They had another fighter. They had, zeros was a, were awesome airplanes. They were, they were fast. We didn't yeah. have anything until the Mustang came out. Right, we really didn't have anything that could uh, uh, compete with them. What's your favorite uh, World War II aircraft? Uh, my favorite fighter would definitely be the uh, P-51. Yeah. Um, I think for like a big aircraft, I mean, B-29s were badass. Yeah, they were they were a technological marvel of their time. They were the first uh, bomber with a pressurized cockpit. Yeah, um, and then they had all the guns all over them and stuff. Like that was pretty neat. I would have to go P forty Warhawk. Oh, the P forties. Yeah, I love the way that those look. They're just a fucking mean looking plane. Yeah, I know that I know they were slow. P fifty ones were sexy. Yeah, but and but P forties were just like a big fucking mean looking airplane. The, there was another. Uh, but I, I love F4Us, Corsairs. The Corsairs. That I was the love Navy the plane, way they yeah. look. Yeah, the way the fucking wings come down and then go back. Yeah, up. I love the way that looks. One of my other favorites. Was, it didn't get a, a lot of use, which I don't know why. Um, it was I think it was the P39. It was the um, uh, twin engine split. Yeah, tail. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was it was a really fast aircraft. I just I think it had some other technical problems with it or yeah. whatever, but. Um, I don't, they didn't make very many. They of were them. fast. They were. Have you ever seen the the twin boom Mustangs? Yeah, those are fucking cool. They uh, they developed those after World War II yeah. to escort the bombers for the nuclear strikes yeah. or whatever. Until they got till the jets kind of yeah took over after that. Um, I think my favorite bomber was a B twenty four. Okay, Liberator. Yeah, I like the way those look too. That was, uh, yeah, B-24s. Those are the ones they used in the Doolittle raid. Yep. Which Jimmy Doolittle. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. So so one of the mistakes we made was having our some of our ships and our aircraft lined up for easy target practice. Um, and the Japanese took well advantage of that. And they, they downed a lot of aircraft before they even got off the ground. Um, I think there was two aircraft. And then you see the movie Pearl Harbor. The, there was two aircraft that ended up making it into the air uh, and when they say they I think they end up shooting down a couple of Japanese aircraft but they really didn't make that big of an impact with with how the attack I hate went. that movie <laughs> I like all of it except for the whole the love story so, so here's my thing guys and I hate this in every movie that does this don't take a historical uh event and yeah. make it into a fucking love story titanic hated it yeah pearl harbor hated it pompeii hated it <laughs> just tell the just tell the historical story or name it something else yeah it, 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 like like you, you just, you're, you're just a... doing a you're just doing a disservice to the people yeah and i'm not trying to get on my whole my, my soapbox here but i mean that shit didn't really happen and then it's confusing because some idiots out there think that Jack and Rose really wrote on the front of the Titanic together. Yeah. That didn't happen. Yeah. Like, that, that's stupid. And uh, Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett, 
<laughs> fighting over Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, oh yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Pompeii. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch those stupid ass movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Done. That's the thing. It's like you know. It's almost like Forrest Gump, you know, like, how could one person be involved in that much shit? But yeah. that's a great movie. Well, Forrest Gump was awesome, but you know, it was fiction, though, from the start. But that's the thing. You, yeah. Like, you actually knew. If you're a dumb, stupid person, and you watch Pearl Harbor, you could... Yeah, think all... Think, like, oh, there was... This is so cool. Yeah. This is touching. Shit wasn't touching. The movie sucked. Jack and Rose... There's plenty of room on that board Hated for Titan. Jack too. So like she, I know she didn't. She, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I hated that movie. <laughs> I saw it twice in the theater. I hated it both times. You saw it twice in the yeah, theater. Yeah, my dad and I went. Yeah. Because it was getting all this press. Yeah. And he didn't like it either. <laughs> and then my mom wanted to see it, so I went with my mom, even though I knew I was going to hate it, and it was, oh, it just pissed me off. <laughs> But I, I, there was a girl, uh, Allison, in one of my classes. She told me, because I was in high school when this came out, mm -hmm. she had seen it 17 times in the theater. Dang. 17 times in the theater. That's like three hours a shot. Yeah. They had an intermission. It's like, like 50 they had, hours of your life. You'll never get back. Because this is back before digital films. All the movies now in the movie theaters are digital. They actually changed the film rules. They had an intermission during during uh, Titanic and all that crap. That movie sucked. <laughs> oh, you would man. think that shit was real if you were stupid. Yeah. And there's a lot of stupid people out there. There is. I almost got a head on today with a cop. Because <laughs> he was he, stupid. Was he texting? I don't know what he was doing, but <laughs> he was in my fucking lane. <laughs> coming at me. Coming, at coming right at me. And I was like, yeah, freaking hey, bro. Freaking like, Bright light. <laughs> you charge her out of my way. Hit him. <laughs> my grill guard's bigger than yours. <laughs> oh, man. He'd hit you and then write you a ticket. <laughs> I know. That's what I thought, too. I'm going to have to ditch into this borrow pit just to avoid getting a ticket. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm done with the movie thing. Those movies sucked. Don't watch them. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't contribute to that delinquency. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyway. Pearl Harbor did lead to one of the coolest military events ever, which is the Doolittle Raid. Yeah. Yeah, so... So it was a... Uh, was he a captain at the time already? It, uh, it was in Jimmy Doolittle? Or he might have been a... Uh, he might have been a major. He was a major at the time. Yeah. Jimmy Doolittle, yeah. He was uh, the Army Air Corps. Yep. And uh, he came up with a pretty ballsy and off-the-wall idea. It could be called stupid if it was in... Under literally any other circumstance. Yeah. But the way that he, man, the guy made it happen. Yeah. Just and incredible. If you if you if you don't know about what what they did is he he wanted to get back at Japan for for uh, for the attack on Pearl Harbor, and he didn't want to just bomb one of their territories, one of their islands, or somewhere. He, he wanted, wanted to hit the heart. He wanted to bomb Tokyo, mm -hmm. and uh, but at the time. This is way before aerial refueling. This is before any of the. This is before I think actually the B twenty nine even had came online. So we yeah, didn't have it any, still, yeah, it was B twenty fours. And yeah. uh, so we had we didn't have any long range bombers available, and so they came up with the idea to launch B twenty fours off of an off aircraft of a flight carrier. deck. 
which is ballsy in itself. Like that's a big plane going off a short runway. Yeah, and uh, that's the aircraft carriers back then too. They just turned it in the wind, and you took had the aircraft power was the only thing that got them off the deck. They yep. didn't have the catapult systems like they do now. And, uh, and even then, you wouldn't launch a bomber with a catapult. Anyway. No. <laughs> You'd play snap a gear. Yeah. So they had a they had a strip everything non-essential off the aircraft to make them lighter. And so that way they could add more fuel. Yep. And then they could uh, they reduced the crew size down on them. They, they made all kinds of, of, I mean, down to where ounces, shaving ounces off. Yeah. So these planes could get airborne before they hit the end of the, of the, yeah. the aircraft carrier. Because... It's not like you can go and you can, you're going to the water. <laughs> yeah, they um, so a lot of the guns on those too. So some of the gun positions in the aircraft was a twin 50 caliber yeah. machine gun. They actually removed one of the machine guns and then put a dummy gun like made out of wood next yeah. to it. So they still had one gun, but the other one was like 100 pounds lighter. So they yeah. was able to shave off five or 600 pounds of guns from it. Yeah. And then the ammunition associated with that. So they were, they was able to shave off a lot of, unneeded weight yeah and one thing they tried to to do was get rid of their bomb sites they had those uh the top secret bomb sites yeah and they're like no we we need those like we got to get rid of everything else but yeah the bomb sites that way we can actually hit our targets if we're going to go this far yeah it's we've for got a reason yeah so they uh I, I can't remember the date when that actually was uh Man, I, I don't know that one now either. I'd have to look that one up. We might have to put that on the screen afterwards. But, uh, PFE, a question right there. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's where's Dante when we need him to put our, our yeah, where's research Yeah, where's our fact checker that? at, Dante? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, so, yeah, they, they took off. They was able to, they took, they built a mock-up of an aircraft carrier deck out in the desert. Yeah. And uh, they practiced takeoff and landing or the takeoffs from uh yeah there was no worried about landing there were yeah they weren't worried about landing these it was planes. a one-way trip yeah they knew it going in hats off to those guys who had the balls big enough to get in the airplane knowing yeah and that was what they, they took all volunteers they didn't they didn't uh conscript anybody to do it yep that's that's pretty neat so yeah they ended up taking off from that aircraft carrier not knowing if they were going to survive that mission and uh the goal was to get through and land into uh at the time, Allied nations. Yeah, it was yeah Allied China. I allied think. China, and uh, of all places, I think some of them did, and then some of them ended up well, crashing. A couple made it into Russia, though. Yeah, yeah, there was. There's was like yeah. one or two crews made, it, made it all the way into Russia, and they yeah. actually, I think the Russians actually took them prisoner. Yeah, uh, they thought they were spies. Yeah, weird. I mean, yeah, nothing in this was like a. a there was not like a good outcome <laughs> in any of this shit. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the guys didn't make it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that might have to be another episode where we talk about that too. Just the Doolittle raid. Just the Doolittle raid. Yeah, I'm cool with that. That's a that's a great story. Yeah. So, one of the things that it was, well, it was an unfortunate thing that happened, but then it was also a kind of a struggle up too. So everybody knows about the Arizona, the USS Arizona the battleship. Yeah. It took a uh, direct hit to its forward uh, ammunition magazine. And the resulting explosion from that pretty much totally devastated that ship. It sank. Sunk our battleship. <laughs> sunk our battleship. Um, with that one ship, that was actually where the majority of the um, fatalities came from. Was There was uh, over 1,100 crew members of the Arizona yeah, died were. Yeah. Um, during just that one, one attack. And uh, But because of that, though, 
there was well, and all the some of the other ships. There was a ship uh, right down the line that got hit, and they had both started big fires. And they had this big black smoke fires that was blowing inland from the harbor, mm-hmm. and it actually obscured the dry docks and the fuel depot. And uh, so they the Japanese did was very successful at damaging several but they ships. They couldn't find the fuel. They they didn't hit the fuel depot and they didn't hit the dry docks. They actually did hit uh, before they hit a ship that was in one of the dry docks, but it, and it destroyed that ship. Mm-hmm. But the the dock was undamaged. Um, That's awesome. And uh, so it, it took several months after the attack, but it was actually one of the things that helped us get back into the fight quicker was the fact that we had uh, all the machine shops were intact. The a lot of the um, the barracks were a lot of the specialists they called them at the time. Mm-hmm. All the the dock workers and the uh, repair people and all that yeah. lived. They, those made it through the attack unscathed. So all the expertise and machinery we needed to fix the ships and rebuild the ships was left intact from it from the attack. So that was one of the mistakes that the Japanese had made. If they had, uh, they said if they had had a hit was been successful at, at destroying either the dry docks or the fuel or both, it would have taken us two more years to get back into the... Oh, no question. Yeah, that's so much fuel if you got nowhere to store it. Yeah. That's so well. The fuel, and then because they, they had uh, one of the dry docks uh, within a matter of hours cleaned out and, and was putting damaged ships in it to get repaired uh, wow. um, after the attack. Uh, so, one of the, the, so that was really the big thing was when, with that attack... The Japanese knew that they had crippled us pretty, pretty mm-hmm. severely, and then they it almost. I think actually at the time it was pretty much simultaneously when they were attacking Pearl Harbor, their um, one of their other fleets had invaded Indonesia, and uh, the Southern Pacific mm-hmm. Island nations there, the, the Papua New Guinea and the Philippines. They actually went on their conquering spree. Yeah. Uh, Basically, at the same time, they were attacking Pearl Harbor because then they knew we couldn't retaliate, and they were actually they ran. A, uh, we had a base at Wake Island and the Philippines and uh, Guam. Yeah, and uh, they uh, they ran us out of there, and that's where you hear you know some of the horror stories of some of the um, POWs from the U.S. that had happened during yeah during that time is when they was they was able to take over some of those Pacific islands when. When we didn't, we weren't able to M- come back. MacArthur, and yeah, MacArthur in the Philippines. That's right. So their their plan worked pretty well to to keep us from being able to retaliate. So the one thing they thought was at the time their strategy was is because they were trying to expand in this territory, and that the Japanese were thinking that if they delivered a severe blow like that to us, and they took over some of our territory, and with our neutrality policy that we had at the time that we would kind of give up about it mm-hmm. or or fight but not really be our heart wouldn't be into it and we would just uh we would they thought we would seek a um, a quick resolution to it maybe a peace treaty or a some sort of you know a duck, tre- and, a duck and cover yeah. yeah and they didn't account for just pissing all the americans off pretty much and uh a lot of the Americans changed their mind pretty quick about uh, why didn't they attack the mainland? They just—I don't think they had the um, the range or the. 
I think it's because they knew there was a fucking gun in every house. Yeah. Well, there was a... That's, I, that's what Hirohito said. Yeah, there was a... Uh, there'd be a <laughs> rifle behind every blade A of rifle behind... Yeah. And that's fucking true. Yeah, and yeah. that's still true today. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. And there's... That's why we have never been invaded. <laughs> It'd be such a shitty idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many guns are on this street, but I know there's at least 32. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I heard the, the uh, there was somebody that said, and it was a really good point. You know, it said in America, especially in the South, there's people that willingly will sit in a tree for hours, cold, just waiting to kill something. <laughs> and uh, that's true. That's true. So imagine if you know we're invaded by some foreign power. These people that, that like to hunt. That's just another thing that they can hunt well, and, and that's the thing is if you look at western big game hunting yeah most of those hunters are better shots than most of your snipers yeah like that's just the truth well you, if you look at some <laughs> of the uh the best snipers in military history have been country people that grew up hunting yeah. and uh, understand bullet drop and windage and yeah used to squirrel hunting and, and shooting and yeah when i uh when I was in basic training, we went to the rifle range and we were doing our qualifications. Uh, I shot expert. I think I, I, I forty eight out of fifty, so mm -hmm. I was two shots off a perfect score. And uh, my TI was like, "Where the hell are you from?" And I was like, "I'm from Arkansas." And he's like, "Damn squirrel hunters!" <laughs> when when uh, you know a lot of people, they use shitty ammo. Yeah. At that, uh, and the one, the one guy, the range guy, he came around and he gave me an extra magazine of just shit he picked up. And he said, you're probably the only person out here who knows what they're doing with a gun. So <laughs> feel free to shoot the rest of these. Nice. You just let me just fuck around. Heck yeah. But uh, yeah, being from Montana and hunting with my dad from the time I was able to walk. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I got my first rifle when I was five. I got a twenty two when I was five. I, I never had a twenty two. You yeah. know what the first rifle I ever shot was? What? A fucking thirty out six. I think I was six years old. Oh man! And I shot it out the back of my dad's seventy nine Ford. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like that was it. Like, oh man! Said, Nothing will ever kick worse than a fucking thirty out at six years old. So you're good. Yeah. Oh man. And uh, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that gun was incredibly fucking powerful. Yeah. And uh, I probably you. weighed sixty pounds. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like shooting a cannon. <laughs> but that's what he said. Everything will be downhill from here. Yeah. And that was it. It's true. I shoot a three thirty eight wind mag now. I shot two pigs with it this morning. Overkill, I know. But uh, I, there's not a gun in the world that scares me. Yeah. <laughs> the one gun that I have not shot that is on my bucket list, I've got to shoot a fifty cal at some point. I've never shot one. I've never shot one either. Maybe one of these days if this podcast makes us enough money, we can buy one. And we'll, we'll I'm shoot. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I don't want that one that fucking... Kentucky, no, whatever that one that blew up his that was the, face. That was that Serbu. Uh, yeah, the shot. single shot with the screw in thing. What a dumb design. Yeah. But I did read more into that. Yeah, and have you read into that? Like, yeah, well, he did a, actually. He they sent him another rifle and he blew it up. Blew it up too. Uh, but he's shooting those slap rounds. Well, and he actually shot. He shot those leftover slap rounds that he had, and then um, he intentionally overloaded around. And blew it up to yeah. see what it would cause to... Yeah, because he was, like, hiding and, like... Yeah. <laughs> I would have hid, too. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
But uh, that almost killed that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I need to get one of those T-shirts to put a thumb in it. Yeah. Yeah. So Kentucky. Yeah, his ballistics. dad saved his life by putting his thumb in his throat. Yeah. Man, when do you see if I can get him on the show? That guy's awesome. Yeah. I, I do watch his videos are entertaining. Yeah, they are. Uh, like yeah, don't shoot slap rounds. Yeah. Guys, if you if you find leftover old ammo, like be really, really that, vigilant in your research on what's okay to shoot and what's not. Because those slap rounds are loaded to a super high pressure. Yeah. And uh, from what I have read about them, it's a very wide range. Like some of them are really safe and other ones are loaded to like yeah, one hundred and eighty percent of their normal capacity, and that's ridiculous. And you just don't know. Yeah, I don't know what what gun you're going to shoot those out of that can withstand that pressure, though. Too, it's like because, and I don't know if they were reloads or or they're just contaminated. Well, there's only there's only a limited number of slap rounds left. Yeah. like there there's not they don't make them anymore. No, so you know. Yeah, and they were trying, I guess, to get the velocity higher on them because they were designed to for armor piercing. Yeah. But yeah, mm. let's see what else we talked about the 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 Pacific conquest. But so within a matter of months, uh, we had several of the ships back in the service. Some of them weren't repaired and ready to roll. Some of them were completely repaired. Some of them were limping. They sent some of the more damaged ones. They got them seaworthy and they sent them back to the West Coast. Yeah. For major overhauls. Yeah, San Diego. Um, but I think within a couple of years. They had all everything back that was salvageable back. That's in incredible. And, and another, um, I can't remember what ship it was now, but so the Arizona had sank. They removed its main guns, uh, salvaged them because mm-hmm. they were still actually above the waterline. Um, and they sent and they rebarreled another battleship. Another battleship had wore its guns out. And that's some shooting. That's some shooting. And they rebarreled it with Arizona's guns. We're gonna put up a video, uh, an overhead shot of a battleship. Oh yeah, shooting the old mighty Mo. <laughs> you guys, some of you I'm sure have seen the pictures, but the those who have not, you do not understand how much power there is generated when a battleship shoots around. Well, the thing like those... it shoot it moves the whole ship. Yeah, like a hundred yards through the water. Well, the those those. Bullets. The each bullet is weighs about two thousand pounds or twenty five hundred pounds. Yeah, and it can shoot launch one of those bullets twenty five miles. Uh, that that's a shitload of power. Yeah, which they're loading a twenty five hundred pound projectile and they're putting about two thousand pounds of powder behind it to launch one that far. Yeah, it's it's insanity. It's, it's, yeah, to think that we created that. It's nuts. Those, uh, but yeah, just the shock wave in the water. Yeah, when they shoot, it's it's you'll you'll swear it's fake. Yeah, it, it's. It, I wish they would build another battleship. I know they're kind of they don't really have a the navy's they're having a bad run on shipbuilding. Yeah, those littoral combat ships didn't work out. Yeah, the uh, uh, they had the. Uh, that one, I can't remember the name, the Independence, it was the Trimoran yeah. ship or whatever. I think it's getting ready to get scrapped or retired or something. Yeah, they're, they're having a bad run here lately. But you know what? They had a really good run was the Iowa-class battleships. Yeah. They, they were in service for 60 years. Yeah. Incredible. 
they need to they need to bring the Missouri and the Iowa back out of retirement and just go on like a world tour, like a cruise with them. Those ships could still kick the shit out of the vast majority of Navy ships in the world. Yeah, they could. Like, I mean, the only there's there's only the only thing that could hurt them is there's a few anti ship missiles that Russia and China supposedly have that. Could, yeah, but there's there's a the thing there's something to be said about just old fashioned just Haas yeah. gunpowder. Oh yeah, and that's what they ran on. It was diesel gas and and. Yeah, I mean, they're... and just gunpowder, and that was it. Like they were like, "Fuck it, we're bringing the biggest gun to the fight." Yeah, and those things were just—they were—they were beautiful. I think they were yeah. just—they were just—they're just gorgeous, ugly, gorgeous ships. <laughs> That's yeah. true. It's like an A ten. Yeah, it's oh, an yeah. ugly, gorgeous airplane. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like that. You think of an A ten is just that 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 it's gun biggest, had an airplane it's the built biggest around it. Gun. That's all it is. Yeah, and then those battleships, the they had just. Guns sticking everywhere. Yeah. yeah, really a cool, cool piece of machinery. Yeah, yeah. I think they're yeah they're definitely that's more. the that's the engineering room. Like whoever designed that, they're like, we'll put a gun here, and here, and here, and here, and here, and here, and over here. Yeah, and a couple guns here, and a gun here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Yeah. Like, we got you. Now we got to store ammo in all these different yeah. places. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's that'd be a fun uh, a fun room to be in. Like, what can we do? That's just going to be nasty. Yeah. Well, and then when they uh, upgraded uh, during the Gulf War, when they brought Missouri and Iowa and Wisconsin out of retirement, yeah, they upgraded them with cruise missile launchers too. So they yeah. not only had all the big guns, they could launch cruise missiles from yeah. them too. That's nuts. Yeah. It'd be a hell of a retrofit. Yeah. And the engineering guys are like, oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> we're we're going to need more wires. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, what do we do with that? Yeah. Anyway, uh, Pearl Harbor was such a huge event. You know, it sucked us into World War II. Uh, created so much history that we celebrated even today. Yeah. Uh, we don't celebrate. We honor it. Yeah. Celebrate's a bad word. Honor it even today. Uh, do you think 9-11 will go down that same road in 50 years? Do you think we're going to be talking about how big of an event 9-11 was? I think it will. I, I think, think it will. And, and as weird as it said, I hope we do. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. Have so, you you've never been to the 9-11 thing? No. Oh, I've never been to the... So it's crazy. Uh, it's it's a... You'll cry. Yeah. I did. I, I, went, I wept. I went on a trip to New York when I was twelve, and uh, and was able to see the Twin Towers then. Yeah, um, it's crazy because I was a little kid, and uh, we didn't go in them, so I stood outside on the on the and just did that and just did like looked at them, and it was yeah. like a rainy, foggy day that day, and they disappeared into the clouds. Like I yeah. stood at the bottom and looked up, and the you couldn't see the tops of the buildings. They were so tall. Yeah. I'd never seen a building that big in my life. Yeah, and. Uh, I mean, still to this day, I haven't been to a building that big in person, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, uh, and just looking up at them, it was just incredible how big and tall they were. And it was... So, you know, Keisha's from Brooklyn. Yeah. And she was airborne on, on 9-11. Really? She was flying from Kuwait back to the States. Oh, wow. And when the towers got hit, she got diverted to Toronto, and she spent five days in a high school gym in Toronto. Really? Yeah. And... Uh, her family, we we've talked about it. How like 
all the the office papers and shit blew all around New York like they had papers like rolling down the street outside their house from the Twin Towers. Yeah. It was, wow. Yeah. It it uh so when when her and I went to New York a couple of years ago, we went up for we went up for St. Patty's and uh went through the museum and uh it really hit her harder than it hit me just you know understandably where she grew up. Yeah. You know, it was it was uh it was really incredible to see all of that and uh I mean, I, I could have stayed in that museum for, like, I could do days and days in that yeah, museum. Yeah, yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. And I I, uh, I had the opportunity, well, I can't say that. I should have had the opportunity to go to Pearl Harbor uh, in, I want to say, 2003, maybe. I was supposed to go out and uh, meet the family out there for, we were going to do Christmas in Hawaii. And, uh <laughs> Uh, we ended up pulling a, a O&E mission. Oh, yeah. So we had to, they canceled all of our leave. Oh, man. We're, O&E means you're flying uh, escort duty for our Air Force One. Yeah. So our RF-15s were flying escort duty, so we, none of the maintainers got to go. Oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> my leave got canceled. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, another, that's another trip that's on my bucket list. And I don't really care to go to Hawaii, but I would like to go to Hawaii to see... The, no, it's the Arizona Memorial. When I was younger, I really wanted to go to Hawaii, and now I really don't give a yeah. shit. I mean, because we looked it up with the family and stuff and flights to Hawaii. We can go to the Caribbean or... or oh, or, for way cheaper. On a, at a resort it's, for just as cheaper, cheaper than... We're doing Puerto Rico for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's... it's uh, well, A, she's, her family's Puerto Rican, so it's like... Yeah. It's home to her, too. Yeah. The, but, uh Yeah. It's it's way the fuck cheaper. Yeah, and you can get there quicker too. Flights yeah. aren't as expensive and all that. Yep. Huh. Uh well I was trying to think if there's any other Pearl Harbor facts that are kinda out of the norm that and I don't I think I've talked about all yeah. the stuff I was wanting to talk about that Because uh, most people know the event itself, but some, a lot of people maybe haven't heard of the uh events surrounding it but then also too I'll, I'll 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 put the links in the description there's a few different documentaries that i've seen that i really enjoyed uh it's very interesting on the it was a couple documentaries on the aftermath of the rebuild after pearl harbor and it showed how they salvaged a lot of the ships and what all they went yeah. through to, to get them back into service is pretty neat was there any survivors from the arizona there was there were some that uh had um they either jumped overboard uh, prior to the attack, um, and there were some that were after the ship, even during the, survived the explosion. The explosion, they said, the explosion was so severe that it even damaged other ships close by just from it just exploding. The, the yeah. shockwave? Just the shockwave really? and the shrapnel and fires and stuff like that. Jesus. Um, but, yeah, the, then there was uh, the USS uh, Oklahoma was another battleship that had... Uh, sank or partially sank and capsized and uh there were several uh sailors that actually swam underwater through the through the i don't know what you call them the the galleyways or aisleways of the ship and to come back out and then that way and they went and told people later hey this compartment 
has people in it still, oh, and they would shit. like they would cut holes in the bottom. That's a movie. That's yeah. a movie that should be made. So there's some people made that swim, and like so I think a couple of them drowned trying to get out. Wow. Yeah. And then, but some what of them an honorable it. way to go. Yeah. I mean, and so so they were able to make it out, and then tell people the rescue crews how to get to them and where they were at and stuff, so they could find them. Damn, that's and uh, they end up rescuing man. like uh, twenty something people that were trapped. Uh, uh, in the bottom of the ship that was upside down, no way out. He was able to cut holes in, in the bottom really? and get them out. Yeah. How thick is the hole? Like an inch or two? The, it's, it's, I, I think the bottom of it isn't as thick because those those battleships, I think it was like an inch of steel or maybe even not even that thick like on the bottom. But yeah. they had an armor belt around that was like uh, starting just below the water line and then up several feet where they would expect to get hits from... from yeah. uh, bombs or torpedoes bullets, or whatever, whatever bullets yeah. and it was like four to six inches thick in some places where they had, and it, called, it was the armor belt around the ship where they were supposed to that's one of the things that's why they were uh some of them were slow is because they were just so heavy with armor yeah and a lot of the uh the gun turrets and all that had thick heavy armor on them as well oh what's what's the last battleship that we had in service the i can't remember if it was I want to say it was the Missouri, uh, but it was at the time uh, they reactivated. It wasn't the. It was the Missouri, the Iowa, and the New Jersey was all uh, reactivated for the Gulf War for, in ninety uh, one. And actually, I think they brought them out. Of, they had uh, they had brought them out of service. I think a year or two prior to that, they were starting to get them retrofitted because mm -hmm. they were expecting, I think, stuff to kick off. Yeah. And then they, um, the, I don't think the, the so new, they were essentially mothballed. They had been mothballed up to that point. Yeah. Um, and then they brought them into service, and uh, the New Jersey, I don't think, ever saw action in the Gulf War, but the Missouri and the Iowa both fired shells into Kuwait and into Iraq. Really? From the from the Persian Gulf. That's crazy. They they provided um uh basically security for an area they had like a port the navy had was using a port area for some of their So something like the USS Cole didn't happen again? Well it was um they they were uh doing basically uh escort duty with other for other ships like bringing equipment and stuff in. Okay. And then but then they would uh, get fire missions that they would get artillery strikes called in and they would shoot uh, and they had some that they had, uh, I think they had a uh, developed a new type of shell that they shot like 30-something miles with the, that. Jeez. And they were shooting stuff into, way into the country, beyond, over the horizon, yeah. shooting with these these That's new incredible. shells and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, and they were the last ones, I think, in 1992, 91 or 92, uh, I think it was Missouri that was that ended up being the last one retired. And uh, that was, that's another fun fact, so... Missouri that we're talking about right now, it saw action in the Persian Gulf War in 1991. Um, it fought, and uh, I think it saw some action in Vietnam. I don't remember if it did or not for sure, but it was in Korea, mm -hmm. World War II. The Japanese surrendered on the deck of the USS Missouri. I knew that. I didn't know. So they had the that, that ship fought from World War II all the way to the Persian Gulf in the 90s. Yeah. And saw every war in between and skirmish that's, that we that's absolutely that's, that's unbelievable yeah oh. so yeah we'll put that's still in that's in 
Hawaii now, and that's right? That's in Hawaii now as a museum ship. Yeah. And uh, they say that they are in a status. They're not like a where they can return to service quickly, but I think within a certain amount of time, they could technically have it and the Iowa ready to ready to, ready ready to, to roll again. Yeah. So that would be pretty neat just to see it. I'd do it just because. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you need. Just this, just have it as, uh, as a, um, as a trophy. I don't know. Not a, not a trophy, but a, um, I don't know. What would you call that? Or it's like a mascot. Kind of, or a, it just like you're showing it off. Like, yeah. This is what we got. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't make us kick your ass. Don't make us use this thing. With this hundred year old ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do it. Yeah, it's like old man. You know, you say you don't uh, you don't mess with an old guy in a profession that where they die young. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's like yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the old man battleship. You don't want to mess with that guy because no. he's gonna punch you in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. I would like to do uh, a podcast at some point on uh, all the nuclear testing on the Mar in the Marshall Islands. Oh yeah, that'd be good. I so would like to I would like to touch on that because that is some s just really interesting stuff yeah on, uh, then some of those were definitely hold my beer moments that they did on some of that stuff like they sank an entire island yeah one of those. It, it's it's ridiculous how much and well just nuclear testing in general we could get into nevada too yeah but uh yeah all the all the stuff that with the bismarck and stuff out there that we did is it's, yeah it's ridiculous yeah that would be a really good episode to do yeah. that'd be good i really like the episodes we do on military history is just yeah I, th I think both of us do just because <laughs> obviously we're both history nerds but yeah. also uh military stuff is yeah it's cool one thing i'd like to do and we have to talk to some of our pilots that we know i want to do a a uh basically like a rebuttal video or a uh a video analyzing the new top gun movie and like well first off we'd have to find a pilot that actually flew <laughs> I think we've got a couple pilots that we do. went to weapon school and stuff. We do. We'd like to uh, get some of them out to uh, to do, like, how would the Air Force do this? <laughs> what did they do wrong? Yeah. You know what? That, that was kind of the cool thing about working at, at, uh, at Operational Test in Vegas. Yeah. You get to see some of that. Well, that's, uh, we worked with, the the air crew there yeah. was was like they were those guys they yeah. were those big ballsy motherfuckers that <laughs> flew legitimate test stuff yeah that's the thing you got to be a test pilot those those guys got some balls well the weapons academy pilots yeah uh, those guys are, are are incredible pilots yeah but they're not doing prototype stuff they're doing yeah. Uh, like they're teaching aerial combat. They're teaching maneuvers. They're they're the best in the world. Yeah, they're teaching uh, teaching and at teaching how to fight. Yeah. Uh, but the other guys are, they're testing stuff that just hasn't ever been done. Yeah, that's pretty. Then some of those guys, like you go back to some of the old days of it too. Some of those original test pilots back in the fifties. Chuck Yeager, man. Yeah. Like they didn't know what that plane would do when it broke the, the sound bell. Yeah. yeah, the Bell X one. You know that that was not the first plane to break the sound barrier. 
Really? It was the first plane to break the sound barrier in straight and level flight. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because they had one that did it in a and dive. An F-86 did it 14 days prior in a dive. Yeah. By a major. I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't. Nobody remembers his name. But you yeah, I, I used to know it. I, it's been so long. <laughs> but uh, I gotta take a break. I gotta pee. <laughs> I'm, oh, I gotta pee too. So. Well, guys, uh, I think we've ran out of time with our our Pearl Harbor facts. We hope you enjoyed the episode today. Uh, it's a it's a day that will live in infamy, as FDR put it. True story. And uh, we hope uh, you maybe learned something. Maybe. I learned a little bit researching this stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you guys uh, are drinking, be safe. Don't make bad choices. Hard transfer there. I just fucking uh, freaking turn, turn left on that one. <laughs> turn but left I just, now. Just want you guys to be safe. Yeah, be safe, guys. Uh, have a plan. Uh, call an Uber. Yeah. Call your friend. Make sure you're not drinking and driving. Yeah. And uh, there's more to come. If you have any suggestions for us, be sure to drop a comment and uh, let us know what you think. Let us know what you want us to cover next. We're always searching for new material. Yeah. And uh, we, hey. we appreciate you. Thank you for your uh, your support. That's right. We appreciate it. And uh, if you want to be a guest, how, how about you hit us up with a comment if you want to be a guest. Uh, we've yeah, talked we'll about put you on the show. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky Ballistics, if you're watching, you can be on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's go to the range. Yeah. yeah, that's heck yeah. We'll go to the range, blow some stuff up, play, yeah. a, play a few games. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. All right, guys. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one, guys.